This episode of Cell and Gene, the podcast, is brought to you in partnership with Thermo Fisher Scientific. Thermo Fisher's cell therapy processing instruments are designed to help customers transition from process development to commercial manufacturing, utilized as standalone devices or integrated as part of a closed modular process. Thermo Fisher Scientific recommends Gibco CTS DynaSelect Magnetic Separation System, which is a next-gen cell isolation and activation instrument. Gibco CTS Xenon Electroporation System allows customers full control to optimize for a variety of cell types and payloads. And Gibco CTS Rotea Counterflow Centrifugation System is a closed cell processing system supporting a broad range of protocols for cell separation, washing, and concentration. Customers can rely on and streamline their drug development process with Applied Biosystems Qualtrac qPCR and dPCR quality control tools for robust and reliable genetic analysis across various phases of drug development, supported by relevant, compliant documentation. Hello, listeners, and welcome to this episode of Cell and Gene, the podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Harris, and my guest for this episode is Dr. Jack Knowles, co-founder, president, and CEO of Affinity Therapeutics, a greater Boston area-based biotech developing T-cell therapies for patients with cancer. And we'll get into all of what Affinity does in just a second, but first, uh, welcome, Jack. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Aaron. Great to be here. Absolutely. So, all right, I gave a very brief explanation of Affinity, but I'd love to hear from you exactly what Affinity Therapeutics mission is. Yeah, no, appreciate the opportunity to uh, to speak to you and your listeners today. Uh, so Affinity is a world-leading precision immunotherapy company. Uh, we're focused on targeting what are known as oncogene driver mutations. Uh, so these are mutations like uh, mutant KRAS, P53, uh, PI3 kinase, uh, that are really fundamental to tumor biology. Cancer cells need these mutations. They allow them to divide quickly and often to metastasize. And so it's, uh, it's a really unique way of going after cancer. Most therapies have gone after targets that are expressed on the cell surface of the cancer. Unfortunately, these driver mutations are intracellular targets. So uh, they're really linked to the proteins that are being uh, synthesized inside the cell. Uh, what we and others have recognized, however, though, is that a little piece of that mutation is processed and presented on the cell surface uh, using the cell's MHC class one machinery. And so you can actually target intracellular proteins using uh, a TCR, T-cell receptor. This is the way your immune system evolved to target uh, different mutations. Uh, for those listeners who remember uh, T-cell immunity uh, related to COVID, this is also how your immune system targets virally infected cells, whether it's a virus or a cancer. If there's anything going on in the cell that is not normal, uh, the cell will able, is able to digest those proteins and present them. This is how your immune system uh, recognizes self from non-self. And we've leveraged that to develop immunotherapies that are precisely targeted uh, to those driver mutations. Uh, the company uh, was co-founded two and a half years ago. So I started it with uh, Dr. Phil Greenberg, uh, Dr. Ochapui, and Dr. Tom Schmidt. Uh, those folks are all uh, out of the Fred Hutch in Seattle. Uh, many people know Phil Greenberg. Uh, he's world famous. He's actually the president of the American Association for Cancer Research this year. Uh, he was just uh, indoctrinated into the National Academy of Sciences. Uh, and he was one of the world leaders in this field of immunotherapy this idea that your immune system can actually be used to target 
uh, cancer versus, you know, using chemo or radiation or some other uh, type of more invasive therapy. Uh, so Phil, uh, probably best known for co-founding Juno Therapeutics, another cell therapy company in the T-cell space. Uh, a few years back, they were going after uh, liquid tumors, heme malignancies. We're going after solid tumors. Uh, so for our mutations, mutant KRAS is most highly expressed in pancreatic, colorectal, and lung cancer. Uh, so we're going to pursue those as our lead indications as part of a basket phase one study set to kick off later this year. Uh, but the goal is to expand out into many different types of solid tumors. Uh, in fact, KRAS is the most common oncogene driver mutation in cancer. So it's present in about 30% uh, of all uh, cancers that patients have mutations for. Uh, we're hoping to address a large number of, of patients and, and develop something that's truly novel uh, in the field. Excellent. Well, thank you for that uh, background information. And you certainly have a, a star-studded team that you are with, so that's great. Uh, we're going to break down KRAS a little bit later on, but before we do, I want to get your perspective on, so you brought up, of course, you know, solid tumors and what you're working on. Broadly, I want to hear your perspective on what is the state of sol the solid tumor environment today? Yeah, it's, it's a really exciting time, I think, for uh, those of us working in solid tumor uh, therapies. Uh, there's been a lot of success after a lot of failure. Uh, so the, the future is bright. I'll just say that for your listeners. Um, what we've seen recently uh, is a, a kind of recognition that at least in cell therapy, uh, TCR therapy does appear to be more tractable for developing solid tumor therapies. Uh, some great data was just released last week from a company called Amatix. Uh, so they have a TCR that recognizes PRAME. Uh, PRAME, uh, as well as some other uh, targets for TCRs, uh, NYESO, uh, MAGE A4, MAGE A8, uh, these are known as cancer testes antigens. So these are not actually mutations. They are proteins that are only expressed in the testes uh, where cells are dividing very, very quickly. Uh, a lot of cancers will also divide quickly, and so they also express uh, these proteins as well. Uh, so they're a great uh, target for uh, TCRs. Um, the challenge has been uh, because those uh, proteins are not actually driver mutations, they're not necessary for tumor biology. And so, you know, cancer is not smart. We sometimes call it smart, but the reality is cancer is dumb. Uh, but what it is really good at is uh, dividing very quickly and making less and less faithful copies of its DNA. So over time, because it's expanding so quickly and making such low fidelity copies of its DNA, it creates an opportunity for new mutations to pop up spontaneously. Uh, when they do pop up, most of the time they're not helpful and they don't actually benefit the tumor cell at all. They might actually hurt it. But once in a while, uh, they will get a new mutation that is helpful. That's where the driver mutation uh, kind of hypothesis comes from. The driver mutations are so important uh, that they quickly outcompete all of the rest of the cells in the tumor. And very soon, 100% of the tumor cells are expressing, you know, mutant KRAS or P53. Uh, for targets like you know, PRAME and some of these other TCR targets, you don't have that luxury. So instead of 100% of the cells expressing PRAME, you'll find it's usually, uh, depending on the tumor type, you know, 60 to 70%. So the data that Amatix showed very positively, I think they were able to get a 66% objective response uh, across several different tumor types. I think they went after head and neck, uh, uveal sarcoma, uh, ovarian cancer, uh, melanoma, of course. Um, that's a really impressive data set that they were able to get that level of response, uh, even with a target like PRAME that is, that is not expressed on 100% of tumor cells. 
Good, good. Okay. Thanks for your perspective on just where we are with the solid rumor environment. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about before we really dive into affinity therapeutics and what you're working on. Um, I want to talk a little bit about synthetic biology and advancements in gene editing. So um, break down for our listeners, you know, how they impact T cell receptor engineered or TCRT, the therapies that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you know both synthetic biology and gene editing are important not just for TCRT, but for CAR T therapies and other type of uh, immune oncology uh, cell therapy. Uh, also for regenerative medicine, uh, people that are looking to you know reprogram, reprogram hematopoietic stem cells. So you know CRISPR therapeutics and Vertex just got a, a drug approved uh, for hemoglobinopathies, and, and in fact we're using gene editing and synthetic biology to reprogram uh, these hematopoietic stem cells to overcome. Uh, you know, blood disorders, but non-cancer related. Uh, so these are, you know, modalities, synthetic biology and gene editing that are really powerful tools. Uh, and they're important really across all cell therapy platforms. Uh, the way that we think about using them um, is really twofold. You know, one, we have a, a platform called Tune, uh, and Tune is really our way of overcoming uh, solid tumor microenvironments. Uh, the tumor microenvironment or TME uh, really uh, evolves in a way that it suppresses the patient's immune system. Inside the tumor itself, the rules are completely different. Uh, and when your immune system you know, actually is successful at getting T cells inside of a solid tumor, uh, frequently those cells are then inactivated or rendered uh, less uh, competent uh, by the signals they're getting in the TME. So our approach using synthetic biology is to kind of re- rewrite those rules uh, and convert what are usually inhibitory uh, cytokine signals or even death signals that the tumor is kind of sending to your T cells and convert those inhibition signals to co-stimulatory or proliferation signals. And so the way that we do this is uh, pretty elegant. Phil Greenberg, our co-founder, uh, developed a switch. And the first synthetic biology component we're using converts FAS to a 4-1-BB costum signal. So FAS, FAS ligand, this is the, the dominant way that T cells are deleted in the TMA. It's also the ways that T cells normally regulate themselves. Uh, In a healthy individual, you wouldn't want your T cells to expand too quickly. They can lead to autoimmune disease. And so the T cells themselves express both FAS and FAS ligand. Tumors have co-opted this strategy, so they also express FAS ligand. And when FAS and FAS ligand uh, team up, uh, the signal is to push the cell towards apoptosis. So in this way, the tumor is down-regulating your body's ability to fight cancer uh, itself. What Phil did was convert that inhibitory fast ligand, uh, fast death signal to a costim signal. So 4-1-BB, uh, CD28 is another powerful costim. These are the types of uh, co-stimulatory signals that have really worked well uh, for CD19 uh, and BCMA. Uh, those are the targets that Juno and Kite and now you know Legend and J&J are going after. Uh, the CAR-T has a antibody portion that's conjugated to this costim. In CAR-T, we don't have that luxury. Uh, we're going through the naturally occurring TCR, and so there is no costem signal. So with the fast forward wouldn't be synthetic biology, we get to introduce that costem, but we also get to prevent this negative event of uh, uh, programmed cell death uh, from occurring. Uh, so that's how we're thinking about using synthetic biology initially, uh, but there are lots of different exciting strategies in the synthetic biology uh, toolbox that we're developing, uh, ways to cause the cells to proliferate and expand in the peripheral blood, 
uh, ways to overcome different cytokines like TGF-beta, ways to secrete IL-2 locally. Uh, so this is just the first, hopefully, of many uh, different approaches we'll take uh, to addressing the TMA. Um, gene editing side, uh, we do have a collaboration with a company called Metagenomi. So this is a new gene editing company based out of Emeryville, California. Uh, we're using their systems really two ways. Uh, the first is to knock out the endogenous TCR. Uh, so TCRs have both an alpha and a beta chain. So there's an alpha a gene encoded on the track locus, and the beta gene is encoded on the TRBC locus. And then we can use these very specific systems to knock out both of those genes. The benefit is that we don't have competition uh, for presentation of our TCR, so we get higher TCR expression, which translates into a much more potent product. Uh, the other benefit is that you don't get uh, mispairing. So because there's a alpha and beta for our engineered T-cell and a native alpha and beta, you can get up to four different you know, potential combinations on a cell. Uh, we believe it's very important to be able to uh, uh, limit that uh, cross-reactive potential. So the knockout uh, is really important um, for all of our products. Uh, the second way that we use Metagenomics technology is to potentially knock in. So instead of expressing our TCR with a virus, we can actually knock in directly to track. So put the gene where it's supposed to be, uh, really leveraging the, the natural promotion of that gene using the track promoter. Uh, and more importantly, we think potentially reduce um, exhaustion because it's being expressed in the track locus. The T-cell can downregulate the TCR when it needs to. And we think that has a, a long-term benefit for proliferation and survival. Okay, thanks. Um, next, I want to talk a little bit about Affinity Therapeutics and how the company engineers immune cells to target oncogenetic driver mutations, such as KRAS, which we were talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. So can you break down for us, you know, what exactly does this mean for solid, solid tumor, excuse me, cancer treatment? Like, what are we looking at? Yeah, so we have a, a double biomarker, right? So uh, we're looking at only mutant KRAS initially, we will expand other mutations like p53 and pi3 kinase. Uh, and we're focused right now on our two lead programs, which are KRAS G12V as in Victor and KRAS G12D as in David. Uh, and so these are the largest two mutations in the KRAS population. Uh, collectively, they account for about 60 to 65% of all KRAS mutations. Uh, and so we're focusing there because that's where we think we can help the most people. Um, however, for a TCR to recognize mutant KRAS, it also has to recognize the MHC class one molecule that's presenting the mutation. And so uh, here we're looking at mutant KRAS, G12V and G12D in the context of HLA-11. So that's uh, the name for the MHC class one molecule that's presenting uh, the epitope we're going after. Uh, so that is a smaller population of, uh, of people in the United States. It's about 12 to 14% of the US population. Um, but it's very exciting because it's still a significantly large number of patients given yeah. the of KRAS. Uh, and so, you know, the way that we go about TCR discovery is sourcing our TCRs from healthy donors or from patients. Um, so, you know, in every person that's walking around, especially young, healthy people, you have a naturally diverse, dynamic uh, TCR population in your peripheral blood. And so TCRs are being generated sort of randomly and uh, when I was in med school, we would learn that they were educated in the thymus. Educate is a strong word. Uh, really, what the thymus is doing is exposing those TCRs to self-proteins. 
And so as long as the TCRs are not reactive to any you know, wild type or self protein in your body, they get released into the peripheral blood. Um, and so we tap into that diversity. We sometimes source uh, TCRs from between 15 to 20 healthy individuals. That's you know, over 4 billion TCRs. Uh, and we're picking through those to identify what is the one single best TCR uh, to make a therapeutic out of. Uh, and so there's a lot of benefits to this approach. One is that because the TCRs have been through thymic selection, they have been in at least one human being previously. Uh, so there's an extra layer of safety there that we think is important. Um, the other uh, value add is that even though the TCRs are very rare, uh, they are very, very potent as well. And so we've been very lucky uh, to work with our colleagues at the Hutch to identify uh, the TCR for our lead program targeting KRAS G12V. And even more lucky recently to work with a academic at Memorial Sloan Kettering, uh, Dr. Chris Klebanoff. Uh, so he's been working on uh, KRAS TCRs for some time as well. And we've recently brought him on as a co-founder and newest member to our scientific advisory board. Uh, so with his group at MSK, we've identified several KRAS G12D TCRs and very excited to be bringing those to the clinic with, with Dr. Klebanoff and MSK uh, next year. We'll be looking forward to that too. Um... That does, that's kind of where we're going to go next and really talk about, excuse me, your pipeline. Mm -hmm. And can you talk us through Affinity Therapeutics Pipeline and what we can kind of expect in the next, you know, 6, 12, 18 months? Yeah. So we're really focused on the oncogene driver story. Uh, we think there's a lot of good, strong science here indicating that these targets are important for tumor biology. And there's also some great clinical precedents showing that they can work. Uh, so companies like Amgen and Marathi have developed small molecules against uh, KRAS G12C mutations. And in fact, our, our chief medical officer, Dirk Nagerson, worked with Amgen to get the, uh, the first KRAS small molecule, Lumacraz, approved. What we see there is great clinical validation, but also uh, a recognition that the small molecules haven't necessarily provided durable responses. Patients are relapsing that are on those small molecules. And unfortunately, uh, they are not benefiting long-term uh, from uh, tumor control using that approach. Uh, so at Affinity, we're very focused on solving, uh, you know, the, uh, the KRAS targeting limitations of small molecules by developing TCR T-cell products. So our entire pipeline is focused on KRAS initially, uh, starting with KRAS G12V and G12D. Those are the largest uh, mutant KRAS populations. We will also work on KRAS G12C, so because the small molecules are failing, we think there's an opportunity to ask, like, rescue those patients, excuse me, uh, because they still express the KRAS G2C mutation, even though they evolve around the small molecule, they still have that, that first oncogene driver uh, gene that's still expressed. Uh, so we will look at KRAS G12C uh, as, a, as a third KRAS program. But before that, uh, we've noticed a, an opportunity in a different target. Uh, this is a P53. Uh, so KRAS is, mutant KRAS is very critical for cells to divide and expand and proliferate. Uh, mutant P53, P53 is the gene that actually um, allows the cell to uh, go down the programmed cell death pathway if too many mutations are noticed in its genome. So once you have a mutation in P53, it's not a true driver mutation, but it allows the cell to keep acquiring more and more uh, mutations that do push them towards malignancy. So much like KRAS, once a cell acquires a P53 mutation, it's a huge selective advantage for that cell. So eventually 100% or close to it of the cells in a tumor will have the P53 mutation. 
Uh, and so it's also a great target for us. Uh, so that will pr probably be the third clinical program uh, we bring forward. And the target for that IND is uh, the end of 2024. Wonderful. Well, I do hope you will come back and bring us up to speed on exactly all the successes that Affinity is, has reaped in that time. Yeah. Good. Uh, well, we've reached the formal end of our episode. And as my listeners hopefully know by now that I like to ask uh, my guests a question to kind of get to know who they are when they're not in the office or the lab. And so uh, my questions for you are, so what is your favorite movie, your favorite book, and then your favorite TV show, and it can be cable streaming. Oh, wow. Those are great whatever's questions. Whatever's available. Uh, so, so favorite movie, uh, I grew up in New York City. I'm a big fan of Spike Lee. So Do the Right Thing was always my favorite movie. Also a good uh, metaphor for how to, how, to, how to operate in life. Yeah. Um, favorite book, uh, I used to read a lot of science fiction. And so I was a huge fan of the Dune series by Frank Herbert. So mm -hmm. just remade the first movie. Uh, hopefully uh, the second one will be uh, just as good. Uh, but the books are even better. So if anyone hasn't read uh, the Dune uh, I think it was initially a trilogy and now they're up to like, you know, eight or 10, but um, it's a great uh, sci-fi book. Okay. Uh, favorite TV show uh, also, uh, well, recently it's been Succession on HBO, but I'd say all time uh, Seinfeld. Oh, good, good. All right. Well, yeah, you uh, all excellent choices. You kind of can't go wrong. Um, I grew up in the do, not, do the right thing era. So I, know the movie well. Um, I will recommend those books to my son. He's a huge sci-fi reader. Um, and I'm going to tell you a secret about Seinfeld that I think I'm going to drop listeners like crazy after I say it, uh, perhaps even you. I've, I've never watched it. Really? No. Oh, oh, you have. No, that's not true. That's not true. I watched the very, the finale. Oh, that was the worst show. <laughs> <laughs> And, episode. No, uh, you know, it's not for everyone. And I will admit, you know, uh, they're annoying characters, right? So you have to kind of. Well, like that's a th that. yeah, I think I, I, I think I would thoroughly enjoy the show. I just never really got into it when it was on. And now I feel like I'm so inundated by shows like Succession and all the other, you know, kind of more current shows that I need to go back and probably watch the shows that you know led the way for shows like succession such as seinfeld but um you know i could hear people clicking off this episode as we speak <laughs> no we, we won't hold it against you I'll, I'll recommend some good ones to get you started um, okay i think i know all of the you know the um the the, the various characters throughout and all the, the 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 topics that came out of the episodes but um yeah so i'll watch it i'll i'll at some point, I vow to watch Seinfeld. <laughs> Next time I come back on, I'm going to quiz you. So. There you go. When we talk about how um, you know all the clinical trials are going, we'll give. Uh, I'll provide an update on whether or not I've watched Seinfeld. Uh, all right, listeners, that wraps up this episode of Cell and Gene, the podcast featuring Affinity's Dr. Jack Knowles. Jack, thank you so much for your time. This was really insightful. Thank you, Aaron. I really appreciate it. Good. Uh, all right. Visit us regularly at cellandgene.com. Subscribe to this podcast and register for our e-newsletter on cellandgene.com. We'll talk to you soon.